Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Ape Geeks podcast. I'm Flight Corporal Jack Anderson, and I'm here with Flight Corporal Nadim Elgazar. Hello, everyone. And Flight Corporal Aiden Paul. How's it going? And for this week's episode of the Ape Geeks podcast, we'll be interviewing my brother, Connor Anderson, about his experiences with Aviation College. Is a former Warrant Officer Second Class from 102 Squadron Air Cadets in Barrie, and he is currently in his third year in the aviation program at Sioux College in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. So, how are you, Connor? Good, good. Happy to be here. All right, so we have uh, a list of questions here, all about getting into aviation college, what it's like in aviation college, all of that. So, let's get started with our first question. What grades are required to get into an aviation college? Well, uh, obviously you need to be pretty good uh, academically to get in, even not just to get in, but once you get here, you gotta be on top of things. So uh, I believe when I was just, I was just looking at this earlier, the requirement for our program, you have to, the, some of the prerequisites in terms of high school courses is you need uh, grade 12 college math and you need grade 12 college physics and English as well. And then they, they recommend you take the university level ones too for if you're in high school. So uh, that's what I took when I was in high school. Uh, I took uh, university level uh, algebra, university calculus and vectors and then university English. I believe my, my average in high school is around 90% in grade 12. So. I didn't really have a problem getting in because I think the, the lower limit for getting into a lot of these programs is like 60%. Um, so that's like the bare minimum. But if you only have 60%, there's probably a lot of people that accept before you. So I, I'd say you'd, you'd want to have the highest marks you can get, probably at least a 70 or an 80 realistically to get in. So that that's that's probably about the minimum, what I would say. And I'd imagine it's the same at Seneca and Confederation as well. Great to hear. I'm sure that's a, a common question that most people have. And uh, first of all, I haven't got a chance to say it's great to have you here. And uh, I guess the next question is, do you need to have a pilot's license before attending an aviation college? Uh, and the answer is no, um, you don't. So I when I came here, I didn't have a pilot's license at all. I had I went for a fam flight when I was 13 or 14. And that was it. So you can come in, you don't have to have any experience at all. I know actually at, at my program, if you have, you like, they'll accept you if you have a private and they'll do a, a modified training schedule for you. But if you have a commercial, they won't accept you a commercial license. So they're sort of anticipating you coming in without much uh, background or, or experience really. So they, they mold you the way they want you to be. And, and that's pretty well it. I think, uh, again, like all the other schools are pretty well similar. Um, Seneca and Confed, I imagine, are, are similar as well. I know there's some schools out west where you have to have a private license to get in. Uh, but here in, at the Sioux, it's not the case. You can, you can come with no experience required. All right, then. Well, what does a typical day look like in an aviation college? Well, it, it depends what, what year. Um, so when you first start out, when you're in first year, in first semester, uh, at this program anyway, all you do is academics. So you, you don't get to start flying until uh, the second semester, which is after after Christmas. So essentially, you've got five days a week uh, of classes, uh, and that can vary 
some of the days are a lot longer than others. Like some days you'll have eight hours of classes and other days you might only have one or two classes. So uh, the first semester is pretty hard. Uh, they, they're just trying to weed out like all the, all the weaker students in the, in the first semester. So it's definitely pretty challenging. Um, once you get into second semester, pretty well until you hit third year, during the, the course of the school year, you'll do half of a week will be in the classroom. Uh, usually it'll be like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday afternoon in the classroom. Then you'll have Wednesday afternoon, uh, Thursday, Friday uh, will be flying. And then Saturday, Sunday, uh, the, there's a potential you can get booked on the weekends as well. So you don't really have many, many days off really when you're in this program. It's a pretty uh, work intensive program. So you know, don't be expecting to just coast through this program is what I can say. Um, on a on a day to day basis, I guess, uh, like when I when I was here before COVID, when you're at the school and you're on campus, I know some of the days were long, um, especially because they try to put all the academics on one half of the week and then all the flying on the other half. So the week or the part of the week you were in class, they were very full days. Like you would be there for an 8.30 a.m. class and you'd go pretty well until 5.30 in the evening and maybe and you'd get usually like an hour at lunch. But uh, those were some of the longer days were the, the, the like eight, eight, nine hour days. So they, they could be pretty uh, exhausting at times for sure. Um, so how often would you typically get to fly in an aviation college? Uh, well, that's a good question, actually. Uh, it, it all really depends. Um, there's a lot of factors involved. I know when you're first starting out, like a, you don't get to, to fly at all in the first semester. You're just doing academics. But when once you get into the second semester and you start flying, um, like I said, you, you're in class three days a week. So that leaves four days a week that they could book you for a flight. Typically, when you're first starting out uh, there in second semester, it would be, you know, maybe once or twice a week they would book you. Because the instructors, uh, it's usually the instructors who, who will book you personally. So it depends what your relationship with your instructor is. Like at first, they don't really know what you're like. They don't know how serious you are or, you know, what if you like to be booked a lot or if you prefer only once or twice. But then once you get farther along and your instructor, you know, the instructors do pick favorites. Uh, so that's why it's always good to be in your instructor's good books because then they'll be more receptive to you like if you really want to get going on flying they can book you two three four times a week if you want sometimes more i've had weeks where i, I i've flown a lot like uh over this past march break i think i flew maybe eight or nine times over the course of a week so it, it was really busy it was something like it was like 15 or 20 hours in the plane so and it all depends, like uh, it depends where you're at and you're flying. When you get more towards like uh, longer flights, if you're doing a lot of cross country flights, they'll they maybe they'll book you a little more because all you do is you do the planning, you go up and you do the flight and you come back and that's that's pretty well it. But, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of factors involved. So, um, well, I know another big thing that you've been telling me about is the weather has a massive impact on that. Mm. So where you are right now, would you say that the weather, you know, affects it a lot? Like you get canceled flights on a very often basis or is that sort of a rare occurrence? 
Um, well, it, again, it depends on the season. So the best flying times up here um, is is pretty well about to start. So May, June, beginning of July, you get pretty good weather. You don't often get canceled because of weather, but the winter months can sometimes be rougher, especially up here in Sault Ste. Marie, up by the by the shores of Lake Superior. You can get a lot of snow, a lot more than in Barrie, which I was surprised about because you already get a lot of snow in Barrie. So you get more snow up here. So in the winter months, uh, it can be rough. And then it, it can get really cold up here too. And that's another another way they cancel you. Usually up here, they in the wintertime, they'll cancel you because of uh, your cloud ceilings. They'll, count, they'll cancel you because of snow or they'll cancel you because of uh, the too like it's too cold so those are the three the big reasons they'll cancel you in the winter but in the summer usually it's just uh rain or ceilings that's all they can really cancel you for but yeah weather weather does play a big part it all really depends like last fall for example i know the weather was like surprisingly really good so a lot of people got a lot of stuff in um, which surprised me because the year previous in the fall i was getting canceled probably for a month straight I just got bad luck with weather and it's, it's all luck. Like there's not a whole lot you can really do. You can't really control the weather. So that's just the nature of the game. Can't really control it. For sure. Yeah. And if I may ask, like, what is like the name of your program and how long does a program like that usually last like this? aviation? So program? the official title of, of the program is aviation technology uh, flight. Um, this program is a seven semester program. So it, it takes three years, uh, which is six semesters. And then the seventh semester, you actually do it over the course of the, the first summer. So the first summer you're expected to stay in Sault Ste. Marie to fly. Usually people will just stay the full three years throughout the summer, just because, uh, if you get delayed because of weather, there's, you'll be behind. So the, the best months for flying are in the summer. So there, it's in your best interest to stay. So pretty well for three years straight, you're pretty well going to be here uh, in Sault Ste. Marie. And for me, just because of COVID, it'll probably be a little bit longer. The pandemic's really uh, screwed everyone up. So there, there's that. I can't really control that either. So definitely interesting times we're living in. So yeah, a lot of stuff out of my control. And then so um, how often do students get access to the same high-tech sims that pilots use if they do? Um, they aren't exactly the same that they use at like at Air Canada, for example. Like at Air Canada, they've got the full motion simulators, which are really cool. And, you know, uh, because they're so lifelike, you can actually log time in them. Uh, because there's there's essentially no difference at, at the Air Canada simulators. Uh, here, they're a little different. Like they're pretty realistic. Uh, the ones that we have, and we actually just installed three or four new simulators over the course of the last uh, year, I think. So we have a lot of simulators now. Obviously, they're not full motion. Like those are really expensive, uh, first of all, to buy, but also to operate. But uh, ours are pretty pretty state of the art. Uh, I know the one that I used a lot when I was first starting my training at uh, over at the college campus was. Uh, it was actually taken from one of the, the old planes that they retired in our fleet. And then they converted it. Uh, they, they installed all the electronics and everything and made it into a simulator. So it, it essentially is an identical copy of, of our aircraft. So 
Uh, and then they, I believe the company is, is uh, Frasca, which is a pretty well-known company, but they, they installed all the avionics and all the, the programming to, to make it all happen. So um, before COVID, you were allowed to go into the simulator to practice pretty well whenever you wanted. Um, you, all you had to do is book it uh, with, with the dispatcher and you could, you could get sometimes two or three sims in a week just for practice you don't even have to be working on anything if you just wanted to go in and just practice takeoffs and landings or uh you know our plane is is rated for aerobatics so if you just wanted to go in and practice loop to loops or something we you can do whatever you want so that was pretty good um but the only problem is with covid now uh they're they're trying to really restrict like people like going places non-essentially so if you still have to do lessons in the sim or you like you have to go in there with an instructor to to work on something they'll let you do that and they'll book you for that but uh unfortunately as of right now they don't let you just book it for like practice on your own time uh which is you know it's too bad but i can kind of see where they're coming from because of covid it's you know it's nothing we can really do about it yeah well, let's hope this whole covid thing solved pretty quickly right yeah um yeah i hope so so next, you have told me quite a few interesting stories from your time up there. Are there any that you think you can mention here on the podcast? Uh, yeah, there's a bunch. Actually, one just happened today. I wasn't out there, unfortunately. Uh, I wasn't booked today. But one of the, so you actually, you might hear about this on the news potentially, or if you look around, but one of the water bombers uh, that is that is stationed up here, like the the Ministry of Natural Resources has their water bombers, but he came in for a landing today and forgot to put down his landing gear. So he landed without putting down his landing gear. Pretty similar. Uh, there was a, a moment like that that happened in uh, in the show Ice Pilots. Have you, have you seen that episode? Over in Turkey where they landed the water bomber without uh, wheels. That happened basically here today. So they had to actually shut down one of the runways at the airport because of that. So I, I've seen a couple of videos of that. I could probably send it to you later, actually. But... So that happened just, that, that was, that was just today, actually. That was kind of cool. I have to admit that's a little ironic though. A firefighting plane crashing on the runway. That is a little ironic. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, they're rate Like they're rated to, to be on the water. Like they usually can land on the water, which is, it's funny because literally half a mile off the end of the runway is water. So it's like, he could have just landed in the water, but no, he just decided to put it on the, the runway without wheels. So. So that happened today. I don't even know if I'm allowed to mention that, but it's, uh, I thought it was pretty funny. Um, in terms of like me personally, obviously, you know, we've had a lot of cool moments. Like when you first go, uh, oh yeah, I'm just reading in the chat, Cadors. Yeah, there's definitely, there's definitely gonna be a report filed about that. So yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how that whole thing gets resolved. Uh, I know some of the instructors who work at our school, uh, they work, or they, their main job is working in the summer as a, as a firefighter with the ministry. And then in the winter months, they instruct with us and they do check rides and whatnot. But I know a lot of them were out there today and they were all really busy trying to get this plane off the runway without any wheels. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. But I know in terms of more like stories at the college, you, there's so many interesting stories that happen. And, you know, I've only been here a couple of years and, you know, when you, if you ever come here, you and your, your buddies in the class will all have different stories that happen. And like, whenever you get to go on cross countries or get to fly out in the, in the practice areas by yourself, there's always 
cool little things that'll happen or, you know, just little things. Like I know a couple of weeks ago when I was coming back from a, a cross country, I was, I was up in, in Wawa, I think I was coming back south and there was a plane who did not have uh, an ADSB on board, which is essentially ADSB is sort of like a transponder. That's like, that will alert uh, other aircraft of your position. So he did not have one on board. So we were just flying back to the airport and he must have been like 200 feet below us and like right below us. And he was way too close and he never made a call on the radio, never, never said anything. So we almost had a near miss with him and my instructor didn't see him either. He was just, he just came out of nowhere. Uh, I think it was like a little float plane or something, but you know, like just little stories like that. You'll always have little, little things happen on every flight. So it's, you know, it's fun. You, you have a lot of stories by the end of it all. Well, I remember my favorite story from you was the one um, where you were doing, I think one of your first flights and you heard the bird cannon being fired. Oh and yeah. You, you thought like the engine <laughs> backfired or something. Yeah. I so mentioned that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, I don't know if, if this is just a thing at the Sault Ste. Marie airport, I'm sure a lot of airports have it, but I know at the end of one of the runways here, they have a, a bird cannon because there's a lot of birds in the area. So it, it doesn't like shoot the birds or anything, but it's just a loud bang to get the birds to, to buzz off sort of. So it, and it's right next to the run up area. So before you take off, you have to do a, a run up of your engine to make sure that it's working. And just so you can see what the, the engine is feeling like at full power before you actually get in the air. So very important step. So I was in the middle of doing the run up and going through the checklist. And then out of nowhere, I just, I, I it must've been the first day of the year that they had the bird cannon up because I hadn't heard it uh, lately at all. So it just was like banging all of a sudden. So I was, I was like, Oh, like oh, crap, like my plane's backfiring or something. And then like, it happens like, every 15 seconds so it's like hmm that's kind of strange you know that's every 15 seconds and then i look like behind me and i see the bird cannon like oh that's what it was so it was just the bird cannon but yeah like to say there's there's so many little stories like i can't even think of them all i'm sure i've have i have a lot more interesting ones but yeah i have to say if that was one of my first flights i would i would be very scared yeah like i didn't i didn't know what it was like i would I'd already been solo at that point. So I, I was, I was flying a solo flight. So, you know, you have enough experience to fly by yourself, but you, you know, you don't have that much experience really when you're first doing your solo flights, like, you, you know, enough to get by, but you're definitely, you're not a licensed pilot yet. So it was, it was an interesting experience. So I'll, I'll say that. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. For sure. And this is probably the question that, everyone is probably enjoy will enjoy what what's your favorite air like your personal favorite plane to fly and why so my favorite uh do you mean like here at the college like and just like ones that i've flown or what i'd like to fly potentially i think just in general like if you had to pick one plane in the whole world what would it be well i know if i could pick any plane i'd always wanted to fly the the a10 warthog i thought I, I don't know. I just think it's a really cool plane. Like it's all built around the cannon. Like it's a 30 millimeter cannon, I think. But and I think I saw it's like 4,000 rounds a minute or something insane like that. So it's just, it, 
if you, as soon as you need help on the ground, like if someone calls in a strike, you can be there and you can, you can hit the target pretty precisely and just shred it to bits. I think it's really cool. So yeah, maybe one day. That took like so much fun. Yeah. 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 And they look cool too. I think I know a lot of people think they look kind of like ugly. I don't think so. I think they look pretty cool, but it looks overpowered. It look, yeah, it looks like a beast. Like, and it flies really slow and it, it's, it looks heavy, but it's actually really maneuverable. So I, I'd yeah. really like to fly one one day. But. Yeah. Like the engines, it gives it like this weird, almost alien look. Yeah. And the noise it makes too, like the, they're, uh turbofan engines so they're they're fairly quiet in in the grand scheme of things but they do they make like a weird sort of noise too which i like are not weird but like they're very distinct so right of course um, there's the iconic sound from the gun itself oh yeah yeah and then the gun yeah. is it's iconic it's it's timeless really yeah like the the burt noise that it makes yeah. it's it's I think too that's bad really that they're cool. retiring them I think they're supposed to be getting retired and replaced with the F-35 in the next 10 or 20 years or so, but... Which is too bad, because, you know, the F-35, it does a lot of things pretty good, but it doesn't do what the A-10 does in terms of closed-air support, so... That's the problem right, I guess. With that. Like, but, it's but, designed to do so much, and it can't do it all, like... But what's good for plan. us is you might be able to find some surplus A-10s on the market for, for private sale in the in the coming years if they decide to sell them to to people like obviously you might have to take the the gun out which sucks but it'd still be cool to fly one um yeah i remember a few years ago the u.s marine corps they were selling harriers for like a for like a mm. like a hundred grand a pop yeah yeah i heard about that and i think that the british the the royal air force is selling them too so you could you could pick one up for you know pennies on the dollar which i thought would have been pretty neat but well hundred thousand dollars that's barely anything like these things were what 50 million when they first came out give or take yeah you know what I'm, i think they probably would have been more than that like a hundred thousand dollars you could buy like a like i think the the planes that at my school cost a hundred thousand dollars so it's probably more expensive than that but still majorly discounted from what it could be so mm -hmm. yeah all right that, well that's a that's a good question i think everyone who flies has a different answer to that question what are your guys' answers? I, I've never actually, I don't um, actually know. That is a tough question to answer. Um, yeah. I'd have to say maybe like the the F-18 Hornet, the ones that the Navy uses, I've always found those really cool. I think even better would be the F-14, the one from Top Gun. Those yes. have always been cool, like the symbol yeah. of the 80s pretty much. Mm -hmm. Sure, mine might be... Uh, Maybe the F-22 Raptor. Mm, yeah, the cool. Raptor's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I'd probably go for either a, either a P, either Spitfire or maybe an SR-71. Those are both really awesome planes. Yeah, the SR-71 is it's pretty neat. I know. Yeah. And, and to anyone who was around when I was still in cadets, when we went on the Washington trip, I know we saw it. Um, at the at the smithsonian they had an sr-71 there and it's it's bigger than you think like it's really big but it was like the centerpiece of the whole museum so it was really neat for sure oh, that's got to be cool all right well thank you for being here mr anderson thank you for answering all of our questions but unfortunately that is the end of our time for this evening but before we go we just want to quickly have a word from our sponsor this podcast is made possible by the 102 Squadron Air Cadets. 
Right now, we are unable to do our normal fundraising due to the pandemic. So instead, we made a squadron cookbook. All three of us are members of the cookbook committee and have seen the months of hard work that have gone into it. It includes recipes from almost every cadet, officer, and member of staff. Books will be available for pre-order soon in less than a month, so keep your eyes peeled. When we say that these are going to be done soon, we truly mean that they're going to be done soon. We just had another meeting about it the other day, and they've completely finished writing, editing, doing all that. All they need to do now is set up the interface so that they can uh, sell the books online, and then we just need to send it off to the publisher and get it published. For sure. We've been saying soon for a while now, but we're just like waiting for now the, it's actually the soon, officer's yeah. blessing and that's it. <laughs> And with that, that has been this week's episode of the Ave Geeks podcast. Thank you, and we'll see you next time. Have a good one.